Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. Gogoro's stock review is the title of today's presentation. And our previous video on Gogoro last year was quite popular and many subscribers and viewers asked us to do a follow-up. So let's talk a little bit about the company itself. Now, this is a Taiwanese success story. So Gogoro manufactures scooters with replaceable batteries and they built out that replaceable battery network in Taiwan and captured pretty much all the market share. So there's more Gogoro stations than gas stations in their densest regions of deployment. And there's a Gogoro station every 500 meters, that's 500 yards for the Americans, in Taiwan's six largest cities. So this made investors quite excited about that story. And then when they looked to other opportunities, so the three biggest opportunities for scooters in the world would be China, India, and Indonesia. So Gogoro's plans to target China were seen by investors as quite a big deal. And of course, those um, plans were just that, plans. You can see here where they said they targeted to launch in Q4 2021, and that was going to um, make up a lot of their future growth opportunity. Well, we were quite skeptical of the China deal, and the agreement uh, that they had made with some firms over there that they'd sell battery packs and battery swapping stations in a joint venture, uh, provide consulting services, and receive licensing fees. We just didn't see that as something that seemed feasible. Now, that's because of our knowledge, our boots-on-the-ground knowledge of how China operates. Now, we had some questions about the business model and the company itself. Their gross margins were quite... Um, low, so they seem to be declining over time. We'll look more at that later. Uh, we wanted to understand gross margins for subscriptions, battery stations, batteries, break down the business model better. We wanted to know the terms of the China deal and what keeps China from being China. So uh, China will um, aggressively and ruthlessly uh, compete with companies that uh, try to, uh, uh, let's see, cross over her great Chinese wall and do business over there. The Chinese are, are, are very uh, shrewd in business and, and increasingly so over time. Now, China's attitude towards Taiwan uh, might be the biggest concern there. And it's almost comical if you think about how a successful Taiwanese company operating visibly on the streets of China would be perceived by the PRC. Uh, that doesn't seem to be something that would uh, ever happen. Um, yes, there's a huge success story in Taiwan, but China's a different animal. There are numerous examples of companies having a very tough time entering China. We'll give you one of those examples shortly. Um, you need to stop for a second and think about a Taiwanese firm actually doing successful business in China. Now, the armchair critic critics were quick to um, accuse us of uh, not understanding the opportunity, even calling us racist, uh, to say that we... Um, weren't sufficiently identifying the opportunity that was in front of us. And um, I'd like to talk a little bit uh, about one example of a company that's doing business here. This is a picture I took a couple days ago in Shanghai. 
and it's quite comical. You see a Starbucks coffee location there in the mall, and look who's right outside their door. Literally, is Luckin Coffee. That's the Starbucks of China, and investors may understand uh, the meaning of that brand a little bit more than just selling coffee. So this ended up being a big fiasco. The company went bankrupt. It was a big scandal. There was lots of um, corruption involved there. And it's a pretty good example of how difficult it is to invest in Chinese companies, not just operate a business here in China as a foreigner, but to invest in Chinese firms. And when you look at Starbucks and how they're operating here in China, you see here, this is an article by Fast Company late last year, talks about the untold story of how Starbucks has cozied up to the CCP, it's the Communist Party, in pursuit of explosive growth. You're damn right they have. As a foreign company, that's how you do business. And I think people misunderstand when we talk negatively about China. I'll tell you that um, as a citizen of Hong Kong and someone who spent um, a good chunk of his life immersed in Chinese culture, I absolutely love the Chinese as a culture. They're one of my favorite cultures. I find them to be uh, uh, nothing short of fascinating. The country is, is spectacular. The food is perhaps some of the best on this planet. It's a great place. But as an investor or someone who wants to do business in China, I'm very aware of the risks involved in doing so. One of those, and these are, this is just how you do business. You work with the CCP. Corruption is a part of doing business in China. So Starbucks has acknowledged that, and their investors may not like to hear that, but pick one or the other. Either you want to do business in China or you don't. It's estimated that a new Starbucks cafe opens in China every nine hours. There are now more Starbucks here in Shanghai than any other city in the world, and the CEO expects that later this year, China will overtake America as Starbucks' biggest market. Um, uh, well, he, he said that, that by 2025, that would happen. Now, the risks that were identified include escalating U.S.-China tensions. We all understand that. Uh, potential boycotts, anti-Americanism, zero COVID policies, the real estate crisis, out-of-control supply chain costs, Beijing's response to climate change, and regulatory surprises. I love this one, including food safety inspections. Here you can see an article by the South China Morning Post that talks about how uh, Starbucks problems deepen in China after some food safety issues reported. Very suspicious here. A state-backed newspaper claimed that expired ingredients were used in two shops in the eastern city of Wuxi. Local authorities in the city said they found 15 problems during an investigation of 82, bucks, 82 Starbucks stores. Gee, I wonder who pissed somebody off. That's what happens here. So if you happen to engage with somebody in a way that they don't like and that's the wrong person, then you've got yourself in a whole lot of trouble. And guess who realized the things that we were saying and decided to hold off on their plans of expanding into China. Go, go, Ro. Go to their investor deck now and see how many mentions are made of China. None. Gogoro delays China. It says here, Taiwan electric scooter firm. This was later last year, an article by Reuters, delays China expansion. With China being a challenging place, Gogoro is looking at its plans elsewhere. Absolutely. India and Indonesia, therefore, become very appealing marketplaces. The company does not expect more significant international income until 2024 and beyond. Great. So our job here is done. Next year, in 2024, we'll revisit the company, as we said before, when they start to show traction 
in emerging markets that they're targeting, they start to show some traction in the form of revenues. We're very interested in taking another look at the stock. Right now, they've maxed out their growth in Taiwan, and now they're looking elsewhere for that growth. Here you can see their revenues and how those have stalled. So you see their growth has uh, stalled there in 2020 thanks to COVID, and then it's uh, gradually resuming there. Uh, losses are also increasing. Look at the revenue mix on the right. So they're targeting $500 million in revenues last year. What did they actually hit? Well, it looks like uh, under $400 million. They're going to hit $925 million this year? Don't think so. Look at the chart to the right of that, revenue by geography. They were supposed to have this is their glossy SPAC deck that everybody paid uh, far too much attention to, uh, that we've been warning about SPAC since they first came about. $283 million this year in revenues from China? Don't think so. And whatever that yellow is there from India, doesn't sound like that's going to happen either because they've told us they're not expecting international revenues meaningful until next year. So, I wanted to touch real quick on a topic here I've labeled Uber and taxi drivers. And it's this idea that um, I've spent a lot of time scouting startups in emerging markets and speaking to founders and looking at business models. And what I've found is that companies that have disruptive business models, think Uber, think Airbnb, though Airbnb is probably the exception. Um, these disruptive business models oftentimes have a very difficult time getting into emerging markets where let's say competitors are willing to um, to play dirty, okay? And I used this Uber example here. So when I came in to Shanghai, this was several days ago, um, I took a taxi from the airport and I didn't have any cash on me. I, uh, I didn't have the DD app on my phone. So I used an airport taxi and my um, history of using taxis in China has largely been okay. Well, this gentleman, um, I noticed as we're driving along, it's quite a long drive, maybe a half an hour, had dropped some stuff um, from his visor and onto the floor. And I just noticed that. And when we got to a stop, a stoplight there, he's fidgeting on the floor and picking his stuff up. And um, when he's acting odd, I know that when a taxi driver starts acting odd, something's going on. I watch the meter and sure enough, He's pressing a little button there on the floor and accelerating that meter. Here you can see on the right, um, see the items in blue on this receipt, second up from the bottom. So the bottom is the price and second up 22 minutes. Well, it wasn't rush hour. I came at midnight and we must have waited at a stoplight for no more than a minute total. And he was accelerating that wait time using a little button. And taxi drivers will do this all over the world. You have to watch the meter when you're traveling. So the Airbnbs of the world eliminate this problem and taxi drivers don't like that. It's why a lot of airports don't allow Ubers. It's why you'll see taxi drivers sometimes attack Ubers. This has happened in a number of countries that I've traveled in. Um, in mafia especially gets involved with taxis. So when I was in South Africa um, late last year, they were attacking buses because the buses, these low-cost bus carriers were infringing on the taxi drivers. So uh, Uber's having a very difficult time. Sometimes when you go to an airport, the Uber driver will tell you to pretend to be his friend so that um, the taxi drivers watching don't uh, try to attack you. So disruptive business models entering emerging markets, it's very difficult because unless you're a purely local firm, you face an uphill battle and your business model may gain some traction, but it's going to be quickly emulated by locals and then they're going to force you out. Uh, that which cannot be copied will be sabotaged. So 
What you'll see, uh, some of the most funded startups in emerging markets are often older disruptive business models run by locals that are just starting to catch up. The exception, as I said, might be Airbnb. They've been remarkably successful. So when we posted our criticisms of GoGoRo a year ago or so, we were met with a lot of uh, criticisms in return by cheerleaders and people who just couldn't understand why we didn't see the opportunity. And some of the comments, somebody had said, this is a great time to buy the dip. Well, here's how far the dip has kept on dipping since the last time we looked. It's now 50% off. And there's a reason for that. The growth story doesn't seem to be what it was. This gentleman here at the bottom, uh, go, go, Rose stock is at a great price, about six bucks. Well, it's some are trading around uh, 3 or $4 right now, so that's an even greater price. And um, we don't really care about speculating or f uh, giving predictions of what GoGoRo's stock will be at. We just see that their growth story has stalled, and the business model itself isn't overly exciting. Here you can see the declining gross margins over time. This was a concern we had earlier that still hasn't been addressed, and if their business is mature in Taiwan at the moment, then we would expect to see these gross margins stabilize. If they keep declining, then that's a big problem because it's early days. Here's a little page of the cheerleaders who um, just wanted to point out were um, overly critical of our uh, take on GoGoRo and um, we, our uh, assessment of that firm was spot on. So I just wanted to uh, give them a shout out and say that if you come around here running your mouth again, you're going to get blocked and shown the door. We don't have time for a uh, time waster. So just to conclude, uh, be wary about investing in promises of future growth. We say this all the time. China's a different animal. And uh, in the coming days, we're going to do a series of uh, videos on some Chinese electric vehicle firms. Now that I'm on the ground here and I can start to assess things a little bit better, I think we'll be able to tell some interesting stories. Uh, entering emerging markets with developed markets business models is always a challenge, and it's not uh, something that you should just assume will be successful. We're going to check back in with GoGoRo stock once they start showing meaningful international revenues. Now, I've put up here our last video on GoGoRo for you to watch. But before you watch that, please click our logo on the right here. Subscribe to our channel. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.